What is up, everyone? Before we get into this episode, I just want to thank our sponsors, the African Students Association from the University of Notre Dame, for sponsoring us. And let's hear a bit more about what they have to say about their Pan African Youth Conference, which will be happening in March. Kwame Nkrumah, Julius Nyedere, Nelson Mandela, Patrice Lumumba. The historic mission of that first generation of African leaders was to liberate Africa from the throngs of colonialism and imperial domination. Thomas Sankara, Yoweri Museveni, Jerry Rawlings. The historic mission of the second generation of African leaders was to consolidate the gains from independence and to set Africa on the path to socio-economic transformation. As the current generation of young Africans, we too are faced with an important task of first, discovering what our historic mission is as a generation, and secondly, deciding whether to fulfill or betray that mission. Thus, the African Students Association of the University of Notre Dame will host a virtual edition of the Pan-African Youth Conference, which will bring together a Pan-African network of university students from Africa and across the world. Participants at the conference will grapple with four critical questions that are pertinent to our understanding of our historic mission as a generation. One, who are we as Africans? Where are we as a continent? How did we get here? And most importantly, where and how do we go from here? The conference will feature a keynote address from one of contemporary Africa's foremost thought leaders, Professor Achille Mbembe from the University of Cape Town. We invite you to be part of a Pan-African network of young Africans seeking to discover the historic mission of our generation and to fulfill it. Africa needs you. Will you answer the call? To register for this event, Follow the link in my bio, on my Instagram, or my TikTok. Let's get right into the episode. What is up, guys? My name is Adnan Shafi, and welcome to Season 12 of Pariah Nation. So this is our first episode, and as usual, we're going to be tackling the major issues that we've been finding within the uh, African community on the continent and in the diaspora, but today we're tackling problems that black Muslims are facing. As usual, guys, you know, we have Doug Boy on today. And we also have Hidea, who is also another one of our guests. But do you just want to briefly introduce yourself? Let's start off with Hidea. Everybody. Um, I'm a sophomore in college right now. And um, I guess politically, like politically wise, I kind of just have I'm just here based off my own experiences and I do a little bit of reading here and there but other than that um my major is civil engineering I really don't know what else to say to be honest but yeah let's head on to Doug Boy. uh Jamil just say something short brief and new about yourself for the new listeners who may not have encountered you what's good what's good everybody if I guess at this point, if you don't know who I am, you just haven't been watching Adnan's podcast or my TikToks. But as I, I am Jamil, I am from the TikTok platform known as Dogla Boy, as also the new podcast platform known as Dogla Chat. We just dropped an episode um, this recent Friday or what is that? I don't know. I'm bad at dates. But this recent Friday, Adnan was on. We talked about Black civilizations because, you know, we was kings and queens. So do check that out when you get the chance. Yeah, facts, guys. Please go ahead. Check uh, Douglas chat out. 
good content and obviously i've observed uh, on quite a few podcasts uh, there as well so i really hope that inshallah that relationship continues uh, to strengthen what i would say just a brief disclaimer before we get into this podcast yeah we're talking about islam none of us here are professing to be scholars to be muftis to be sheikhs you know we're just people who have experienced things we are obviously just trying to decipher those things so if we do end up mentioning things in regards to obviously you know religion if it's like something that's base level or like you know it's simple that most people know then sure but if you're unsure about what we're saying or if you're unsure about something that we have said don't take knowledge from us take knowledge from your scholars okay and also just know that we also have no intention to backbite here we're just trying to have a productive conversation about our community and how to better the issues that are facing our community so obviously um we're doing this podcast because of uh you know recent events uh we're not going to mention specific names but uh we know that uh as of late there was a topic of you know fetishizing white rivers and this is something that i discussed um with some people on a live stream about one week ago but generally speaking i mean i'm of that opinion right that in some communities and specifically the tiktok community which is an international community white reverts are generally fetishized but before i get into what i have to say about the topic i want to know about you jamil and you hidaya let me know what your thoughts are and if so what 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 do we mean by fetishizing white reverts in the first place and if so what different perks or advantages that are unfair are being given to our white reverts okay um i'll go first so um i definitely think that there's more advantage like more opportunities given and i would say more of like a warmer welcome if i'm going to be honest because um i didn't know somebody who was um a river and they were african american and when they had um told um everybody i feel like they never really thought it was going to last long like within my own community i had told somebody um a family friend and they said it's not going to last long it's just a phase and da, 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 da. and basically um within my own community it's kind of like all the girls who they tell stories about girls who had got married to um african american men reverts and how it never lasts and things like that and how we're supposed to like kind of stay away from that and I feel as though um I never really hear the same for like white reverts and um honestly I don't really have too much to say about it because I I never really say anything back but at the same time I don't really believe it either so but I have heard it before Yeah most definitely let's hear from Jamil So my stance on the fetishization of white reverts is that it's very much a thing I've seen it first hand play out in not just one but two different masjids um most people know that i'm muslim what some people may not know is that i quote unquote am a revert my great grandparents going backwards were muslim so my grandmother's generation my mother's generation are christian however when i meet people i'll say that i'm muslim and i'll draw on the fact that generations before were muslim why because i know that people who come from what is traditionally seen as a muslim family get a certain type of treatment over reverts 
And being that I am black, I pull on the fact that my Indian great grandmother was a Muslim as a way of somehow grandfathering me in to a better type of treatment. For example, white reverts are given this oftentimes infantilized view where they're coddled and they're treated with kid gloves while black reverts are treated as though they should know these things. Oh, how do you not know this? What do you do? All these types of things, right? There's also the idea that, you know, I've heard the excuse when, when you call out the, the fetishization, it's, oh, we're not fetishizing them. You know, white reverts are just, you know, there's white, white reverts or quote unquote white Muslims, right, are so rare, right? Which I think is very disingenuous because you have countries like Bosnia and Herzegovina and where, where the entire population, right, is white Muslims right but you don't hear this for black you know black muslims especially if they're reverts it's automatically associated that oh obviously they must have converted in prison which says more about how you view the black community than you view anything but then it's interesting because you have this thing where on one side they'll say oh they converted in prison and then on the other side it's like oh we don't treat black muslims any different because you know all of africa but that in that same logic you shouldn't be treating the white reverts any different because you have white countries in Europe. So there definitely is a difference in the way that they're treated. You know, and, and we, I, I gave you, I gave y'all an example. Y'all can go on TikTok and find the example where, you know, you have a white brother who shares his experience where him and two other brothers made the same mistake. And he simply was told, brother, don't do that. And the other two, you know, were scolded as though they were children for the same mistake. So that's all, that's all I have to say. You know, I have so much to add on to that. I think what's really interesting is that people downplay the, the reversion itself, you know? People think that, oh, you know, um, black people, when they convert to Islam, they must be coming out of Jahiliya, like it's a must. It's like, yeah, um, they must be engaged in a life of alcohol and drugs and gang violence and, um, that's why, for example, you see some people are so quick to admonish people or black people for wearing turbans or like, you know, um, the what's it called, you know, the do-rags as well. You know, people are so quick to admonish, yeah, don't wear that, you know, it's just, you know, Achi, stop, stop wearing that, you know, we're not trying to affiliate ourselves with gangs, even though the do-rags have nothing to do with gangs, um, right? But it's just, it's really ironic how they think that a white revert is somehow purer than a black revert and by all means i'm not saying that everyone thinks like this but even if you end up doing so it's very subconscious so you're not going to be able to point it out and be like oh yes i i staunchly believe that black reverts uh, have come from a life of drugs and alcohol and um gang violence obviously guys and this is what we're trying to say you need to interrogate your subconscious bias it's not enough for you to say i'm not a racist you need to look yourself in the mirror and interrogate the way you're thinking because you never actually know that leap in logic that you made <clears throat> could actually result in you making a racist remark that you never even knew about and we'll get into why this is one of the main reasons why it's so important to listen to the black community because a lot of the times the, the racism just sort of slips out and right yeah obviously we're taught to forgive and all that different stuff but if you're arrogant right and you're you're out here trying to justify what you're doing you don't know the subconscious impact of the words that you're using, then for me, there's a problem there. And we'll get into that a bit later. 
But I think that, I mean, I really sat down and I, I looked at all those videos and I wondered why on earth would it make sense for people to fetishize white reverts? What's interesting about that? But I thought about this. We need to look at ourselves as part of a, a larger society and to stop ignoring this fact. We live in a post-colonial world. There is a reason why, for example, beauty standards are the way they are. There's a reason why there's certain uh, types of vernacular that are frowned upon and certain vernacular that is viewed as professional or authentic. There is a reason why certain history is taught and certain history is not taught. We live in a post-colonial world that has structured the world in such a way and it is built around the confines of something like race. It's on, the, sorry, the foundations of race. So now if you look at it from that perspective, even from an oriental perspective, you start to see that Western society is associated with Christianity, liberalism, although yeah, there might be conflicts between those two, but Christianity, liberalism, and what? Whiteness. And the rest of the world, for example, is associated, especially the East, you're associating it with different cultures that are non-white cultures. And even when we're talking about, oh, Islam, 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 some people see Islam on one side and Western values on the other side. And you hear people making that dichotomy. And to an extent, it's correct. So now when I was thinking about that dichotomy, I saw it like this. Some white reverts are actually fetishized, not because they're necessarily rare. Obviously, if you're in, uh, in, in the West or in Europe or in America, where you have large white populations, white reverts might be obviously in different numbers, like, you know, compared to places where there are not as many um, white people in the population. But when you consider that, it's like when a white person reverts to Islam, it's as if you're getting Western validation. Oh, subhanAllah, they've come from their Western life, you know, they chose, you know, they were pure though, and they came to Islam. And now it's like you have Western validation. And to those people, I'm just like, who, who do we need to validate our deen for us? No one. Allah in the Quran said that our deen is perfect as it has been revealed to us. So for those people who want to talk about, oh, it's not about race, it's not about race. You need to have these conversations with yourself, right? Why might you put white reverts on a pedestal compared to black reverts? When it comes to black reverts, it's like, you know, oh, no, no, we don't want to be too associated with that. Or it's not as special. Like, these are the things we need to sort of just sort of dissect and look into more closely. But yeah, does anyone else want to add anything onto that? When you um, mention on, no, you Hada, you, Hada, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. So basically, I was just going to add on to that. I definitely resonated with what you said because that's what I have been sitting on and I've been thinking and I came to the same like conclusion and I feel like it's a mix of like validation but also anti-blackness like in the community so it goes like hand in hand together while they see uh, a black revert Muslim as nothing but you know all the stereotypes that you had mentioned versus the westernized version of like validation it's like it kind of goes like hand in hand, you know, so, all right. So the thing is, right, Adnan, when you were talking about like Orientalist, right, that in and of itself, Desi and Arab Muslims are the greatest Orientalists in the world. They, they succeed in Orientalism more than any European could ever hope for. 
And I'm going to tell you this right now, right? I have a conversation with Desi and Arab Muslims where I say to them, why is it you feel the need to constantly ask black Muslims if they're reverts? You don't ask every Muslim you meet if they're reverts, you only ask the black ones. So, so tell me what what do the, what is the reasoning behind that? And their reasoning is, oh, you know, most black people are Christians. So when we meet a black Muslim, we have to ask. I say, well, most Desi people, right? If we're going to take the sum total of all Desi people in the world, most of them would be Hindu, but you're not asking them. If we take the sum total of Arabs, most of them are Christian, but you're not asking them. So why is it when you see black reverts, you now feel entitled to ask? Right, and so that's that's where I come from is this place of, you know, even with my own lineage, right? And while granted the answer is that the Islam in my family comes through the Indian line, the Indian line, right? People are quick to make that assumption when Jamaica has its own rich history of Islam. I'm talking about like like the Afro-Jamaicans that clay, that came as slaves, brought Islam with them, right? Right now, the Islamic Council of Jamaica is led by a West African brother and an Afro-Jamaican brother. There's 14 parishes in Jamaica. We have 12 masjids, right? But people are very quick to assume that it's from the Indian line. And like I said, while that might be true, the fact that that's your automatic assumption is incredibly wrong. Yeah, that's so problematic. Like, you know, I just, I mean, okay. I'm going to share my screen in a few minutes. Um after I'm done speaking, um, to just go through the YouTube videos that we're seeing. But even, even when it comes to these YouTube videos, I feel like people have a subconscious inclination towards reverts that are white. Even if you want to look at the views and all this different stuff, the interviews, um, all these YouTube personalities that have gotten big, they're either from two communities usually. And if they're black, they're most likely a celebrity that it hasn't even converted yet, but they're like a boxer or a rapper, right? You see, for example, that um, you'll find white people who have reverted to Islam, who have essentially the most views. And as I said, pay attention to what's happening subconsciously. This is my speculation. And then the second community that you'll get, and I'll, I'll explain this disparity a bit later, is the, um, the East Asian community. So people who are Chinese or people who are Korean. And I think the reason why, I mean, you have to put this all into context, first of all. I can definitely argue that the media center um, of the world is the US and the Western hemisphere at large. So obviously, right? The further you move away from that, right? the more likely that something is going to be surprising to you, especially if it's like a reversion. If someone reverts to Islam from Korea, even, for example, the way, you know, like someone like Dawood Kim, may Allah bless him, um, he was a revert from Korea. And um, he talks about how there's only like a small population of Muslims there. So then there it becomes something like, yeah, okay, you know, this kind of makes sense, right? It's a rare conversion. I, I understand why people might be impressed by that or not even just impressed, but like curious, like, oh, I never knew there were those Muslims in Korea, but this is the US, right? Or it's the Western hemisphere. It's like, there's so many white people and there's also a ton of white Muslims as you've described, right? From mainly Eastern Europe. And um, when you look at it closely, it's like, 
it shouldn't be too surprising, right? If you're in a, as I said, in a Western country and then a white person converts to Islam, right? Technically, if you're giving da'wah like evenly to different communities, um, the likelihood of you converting someone that's actually white might be higher than a black person because of the small population. So I really don't see why it's like, I mean, I'm still sort of grasping that concept. Um, it doesn't really make sense for me. It's like, you know, this, this sort of phenomenon, how it came about. But yeah, like, um, if you guys want to say anything else, uh, go ahead. I'm going to share my screen, though. Bro, uh, and then we can I'm, look at it. Bro, I'm telling you, Arab and Desi Muslims see our... First of all, Arab and Desi Muslims, Orientalism, hand in hand, right? They see Islam as strictly an Arab and Desi thing. And so for them... The, the idea that somebody beyond the realm of Arab or Desi, right, could be Muslim, right? And for those of you listening, if you feel as though what I'm saying is a personal attack, then check yourself because you're probably guilty of it. That's all I'm going to say with that. But it is the belief that Islam could only be an Arab thing or a Desi thing, that when you meet somebody that's outside of those two ethnic groups that is a Muslim, you find yourself enamored with it. I have followers who I know for a fact follow me and love me on the basis that I am a Jamaican Muslim. Because for them, it is something that they could never have fathomed in a million years. I know this for a fact. There are folks that follow other Black Muslim creators because in their mind, they could never fathom it. And if you want to blame that on the human inability to, to imagine things outside of their four corners of the world, call it what you want. But Arab and Desi Muslims are guilty for it nine out of 10 times. Yeah, guys, and please remember, when we're mentioning these general terms, these are experiences that we've had in the community. We're not saying that every member of that community is guilty and that, oh, every single Arab, every single Desi Muslim, they act like this. But I've also, even in my comments, when I post these videos about Black Muslims, it's not just one person. It's two, three, four, five, six people telling me that, oh, yeah, you know, I mainly experience racism from the Arab community or the Desi community. And sometimes, especially, for example, in the Desi community in the UK, I've heard that there are some families, right, highlight on some, right, there are some families, a sizable amount, right, that will just be like, oh, we don't marry outside of our race. And like, here's the thing, if you're trying to marry someone, just for example, you want to be more ethnically compatible with them, that makes sense, right, on the basis that, you know, I actually, I feel safer in my uh, in terms of like, you know, my culture and my customs, I, I don't feel like I'm that person who's emotionally able to adapt to someone else's culture, right, from a different country. That's fine, right? <clears throat> but when it comes to something like, I do not absolutely, under no conditions, even if we're compatible, marry outside my race or culture, that is a problem. And you need to consult your iman because... That, that is a major issue. And we'll even talk about it, but I'm just gonna share my screen. Then I think we should move on to the topic of marriages because this is someone, this is something that people also tend to deny about, for example, uh, non-black Muslims having more marriage proposals and all this different, and how we've been gaslit into believing that that's not the truth. But let's actually look at it. So if uh, for those who are listening to the podcast, audio only, um, I'm basically just showing what's happening on YouTube. I've searched revert to Islam. Let's see, the first person is white. Second person is white. Third person I'm gonna say is white, I believe. 
then um, another person's white, uh, another person's white, another person's white, another one person, or this is from a Muslim. Um, but then you see the first thing that comes up for a black Muslim, look at the, look at the headline from bad boy to Islam. Like it's, and he's a rapper. I mean, yeah, may Allah bless him, obviously. But look at the way they phrase that. And this is what, what I think we should also view. It's like, look at how YouTube has laid this out or look at how the media has laid this out. But Adnan, if I can interject, look yes. who, look who look, posted it. Look who posted it. Look who posted it. I, I, I look at it and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, this is the thing, right? Uh, but even, even for example, like if you look at like, you know, Sky, all these different stuff, right? I think it also, it, it depends on your media um, exposure. And this is, I think, another point. Maybe this is another reason why we fetishize white reverts. is because when it happens in the West, there's this subconscious racial element of being in quotes, a race traitor, right? Oh, you went to become one of the muzzies, right? This is like this, this sort of field. So as you can see, who's been posting it, Sky News, VOA, whatever, TRT, but then the, the top two are from the same person who's like someone who has a, a channel, right? So even if you go down, it's just white revert after white revert after white revert. I think um, obviously this is, yeah, now this is another black person, uh, another white person, um, another white person, another white person. Then, yeah, you can see East Asians over here as well. Um, and it's majority, we can, we can come to the conclusion that it is majority white essentially that's dominating this page but obviously there's black people here as well um if and, i could um quickly say if you could scroll up it says um the title why do so many u.s prison inmates convert to islam that's the second black person that we've seen yeah so, so on this page question. yeah on this and look page, who alone. it's posted by again <laughs> al jazeera <laughs> it's interesting to see right but what I would say is like, on this page, now I need you to, to look at the subconscious implications of this. On this page alone, what have we seen? We've seen two black Muslims or three in total, right? And two out of three of those depictions have to do with prison or rap. Deep that. Like deep that. Let's look at that image. Like, this is what I mean by the stories are definitely covered differently. They are outsourced differently. And I think this is where it sort of comes together. The media exposure plus some Muslims subconsciously believing, okay, you know what? This is the, the Western validation that we finally got. This is exactly what we're talking about. I, I, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Let's see what you guys think. I don't think it's anything new. Um... Because even if you look on TikTok, right, the the if you look at the revert TikTokers who have the bigger platforms, it's the white brothers and sisters. And I'm not saying that with any shade to them. It just is what it is. You have you have and you and, and the thing is, right, you have some you have some reverts, right, who were on TikTok before the pandemic. You know, that's when TikTok boomed, right? If you were on TikTok before the pandemic, you were doing something, right? And they were on TikTok before the pandemic. And white reverts who have come on since the pandemic have garnered more followers than them. And so even that shows you whose story is quote unquote more interesting. Um, again, I think that ties in with the validation. Like when we think about why that is, 
And I mean, I don't have too many experiences. I've had a few ignorant people ask me like, how am I both black and Muslim? And that's just their own ignorance, like not knowing. And they even thought like, like, where are you from? Are you from Islam? Like, you know, that type of ignorance. But I've never had someone um, question my faith like that, but it was more just anti-blackness. Like they knew I was Muslim, but they refused to acknowledge my existence, you know? which is another topic that we could talk about. Yeah. Yeah, facts. It's like people think that they're mutually exclusive. And we'll get into the three the three beefs that we're, we're going to talk about a bit later on. But, I mean, these are things we need to really consider, guys. And we're not trying to throw shade at anyone. But, yeah, this is stuff that I've literally come across so many Black Muslim accounts that are just so, they're so small, Right. And even when people tell us, oh, you don't know about this white revert, you don't know about this white revert, then you see how many posts they have. It's literally like two posts, right? It, it doesn't make sense to me. And uh, we're actually going to get into, into, into this, whole, um, this whole situation. Uh, it's one of the, in quotes, three beefs that we had. Can I, can I say something real quick? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. If, if somebody says that you fetishize white reverts and your response is, I don't fetishize white reverts. Oh, we don't fetishize white reverts. Can you name this one, this one, this one, this one? And they proceed to name all white reverts. That's like if I told you, oh, I don't know anything about meth. I don't know anything about meth. Does it look like I buy and then I proceed to name the ingredients for meth? Now, clearly, I have to know a little bit of something about meth. Obviously, I've implicated myself. Oh, I don't know anything about Oreos. Who, who, who in the world would enjoy eating "quote unquote" milk's favorite cookie? Well, clearly, I have to know something about Oreos if I know their slogan is "milk's favorite cookie." And so, the same way, if you're, if that is your defense, oh, I don't fetishize white reverts because you, and then you point at the person, and say you don't know A, B, C. You've only proven our point because we. As far as I'm concerned, and this is my personal take, is a Muslim is a Muslim. Whether they come from a Muslim family hearkening back to the Mughal Empire, whether whether they reverted on the side of the street, right? I I don't care. A Muslim is a Muslim. So I'm not walking around asking people if they're reverts, because I genuinely don't care. If you tell me, cool. If you don't, I don't lose any sleep over it. That's one. Two, right? So this concept of, you know, the, the, and, and we're going to talk about the, the, the tree beefs, right? But this whole concept of like identifying, you know, the reverts and stuff, I genuinely, I, I don't, there, there are brothers, right? Who I know, who I met, right? That I would have, you could have swore were from Muslim families for at least 10 generations, only to find out that they reverted the night before. Because it works like that. Some people come from Muslim families and they're what I like to call culturally Muslim. They don't drink, they don't eat pork, but they pray Surah Fatiha and Surah Ikhlas every Salah. And you have reverts, right? Kicked out by mom and dad because mom and dad did not appreciate Islam, right? Living in their car, but they can recite Surah Bakara, Surah Yasin, Surah Yusuf by heart within a few weeks of, of accepting Islam. So the whole, fa- let, let, let's, let's continue. Yeah. Let, can we circle back real quick? Did you say Mughal Empire, like Harry Potter? No, <laughs> so the Mughal Empire was in Northern India. Um, 
Yeah, they're like I a heard... Muslim empire that ruled northern India. So fast, like you said it so fast. And the first thing <laughs> I thought was <laughs> <laughs> that might have been where Harry Potter took that word from, though, because you know, yeah. possibly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was I even gonna say, guys? Um, yeah, man, I totally agree. You shouldn't be asking someone like, "Oh, did you revert? Did you revert? Did you revert?" And I just want to just make another point again on, you know, the 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 back Muslim TikTokers that are out there. It's like the way they were trying to tell us, "Oh, I mean, uh, some people were trying to say, oh yeah, you know, uh, this is not an issue. Um, why don't you name all these white reverts that you don't know about?" Then I was like, you already assumed that one, I don't know them, right? And uh, second of all, question to you, how many black reverts with over 100,000 or 70,000 followers can you name? Right? And I know- Without just, saying Jadeen. Yeah, you can't and Jadeen doesn't name count. Jadeen doesn't count. Because Jadeen already had the whole music thing going on. So Jadeen is already a public figure. Please name for me black reverts like at least five of them, right? Who have over 70,000 followers. And then now let's actually get into the three beefs. We're going to start with the most recent one. <clears throat> a certain individual um, who is obviously white um, came to Islam and left Islam, khalas, right? And in the process, uh, people felt as if they were deceived. Uh, people felt as if, he did just for clout, all these different things. So the community was understandably upset. But then now, when that came to the fore, right, you you see that there's a, I'm just going to call it a meeting that is held <laughs> um, on Sheikh Talk. <laughs> Jamil, I think you, you're better at describing this whole Yo, situation. Let me, let me tell you how it happened, all right? I'm on TikTok. I'm scrolling through. I see one of these, one of these. So if you know me, I call them Mufti TikTok and Sheikh For You page, right? Because these are not imams. These are not, well, maybe one of them is. <clears throat> but the rest of them are just dudes who hop up on TikTok and, and, and spread dawah, which is respectable. But keep it to spreading dawah. Anyway, they do a Google Meets. A Google Meets call, right? So it's about maybe six of them. Some of them are in and out, right? And they have it broadcasting on TikTok Live, which I think is very strange. If you're having this conference to discuss one person, why broadcast it? Anyway, they're broadcasting it. So now we all sit here and watch as these men, some of these men are fathers, some of these men have wives, and we watch them take time out of their day to discuss one white man quote unquote, because at that time, nobody knew, but they take the time to discuss one man leaving Islam. And so I have to sit and ask myself, I sat there and I asked myself, how many times have Muslims left Islam and nothing like this happened, right? And then I had to ask myself, and I ge you genuinely have to ask yourself this, if this was a man of color, any color, would this grand Sheikh talk meeting have convened? Would they have met? Can I can I also add something? There's also another, okay, but okay, I, I will say that, yeah, this isn't always happening all the time, but this exceptional case is something we can draw, we can make observations about, and we're not trying to make observations about the people themselves. As we said, this is existing in a subconscious realm. Right? We're not saying that people intended to be racist, right? But as we said, there's obviously implications for, for what people do. 
right? Even though you might not realize it. So even before that person, there was a bit of an issue with another, uh, with another revert, I think a couple of months ago, um, who, I don't know if she's still Muslim or not, but she's also white. Uh, and there was like TikTok blew up. And this is the thing. Let's actually, I don't think it's necessarily uh, saying that, okay, you know, um, because they're white, therefore it blew up. I think it's the fact that they accumulated such huge platforms. I would argue be, them being white played a role in that. In general, in TikTok, we've seen the disparity between the amount of uh, white creators at the top of the follower, you know, count and people who are, people of color obviously being taking like a second, uh, um, obviously second place or even third place, da da da, right? But even if you look at the top 50 followers, like followed accounts on TikTok, the last time I looked at it, there was only one black person and they were already a celebrity. That tells you a bit more about how TikTok functions. But now keep this in mind. Now, when you combine that with the fetishizing of white reverts, they have platforms big enough to the point where their private reversion and apostasy from Islam breaks Muslim TikTok. That's literally where it's reached. Like their platforms were so big that when something happened, they became the center of attention and the whole of Muslim TikTok was talking about it. What do you guys think about that dynamic? Like what, what's, what are your thoughts? I think you're absolutely right. Um, there are, right, when you talk about breaking Muslim TikTok, right, there are Muslims of color who hop on TikTok and they do something, you know, wild, right? And when I say wild, I mean something that most Muslims might disagree with, right? Nobody really bats an eye, right? But you have white reverts come up and they do something and the the fact that even like we like the fact that days after that people are talking about it people a man records his shahada on tiktok and people are stitching it and duetting it and commenting their phone numbers and and doing all these things and then he leaves and now they're commenting oh oh i had i i had a conversation with one of these these tiktok shakes Right. And, and he tried to convince me that when this white man left Islam, it broke the hearts of Muslim TikTok. And I said, no, it did not. I said, no, it did not. I said that first and foremost, a good portion of Muslim TikTok has no idea who this man is. He broke your heart. He did not break my heart. And in my and and I've been busy with Clubhouse, right? So I haven't even been on TikTok that much, but I happened to be on TikTok when all of this was happening. And I told him, I said I was on Clubhouse. And when I came back to TikTok and I did my live on Monday, people were asking me, "Oh, how do you feel? How do you feel?" And I said, "I really don't give this white man a second thought, right? People come into Islam and leave Islam every day, right?" So, so for you all to be acting like his leaving Islam is a big thing when you have other people leaving Islam and you're not having these, these Google, these Google calls or whatever, I, you, you can miss me with that. And he tried to convince me. He said, oh no, it hurts people. I said, look, it might've hurt you, but people that look like me were not hurt by it. And he got offended. And he said, what do you mean people like you? Are you saying black people are, are, are um, immune to being tricked and deceived? If we're going to be realistic, 
if we're going to be realistic, you know, black people have been tricked and deceived by white men for his for a historical amount of time, right? My ancestors were most likely sold because they were tricked and deceived. So you don't you don't if you come into me, right, as the descendant of enslaved Jamaicans and indentured Indians that were brought to replace the the enslaved Africans, I know that sometimes deception is a thing that happens, right? So I'm not looking to see oh you know oh my heart it, it's broken I'm crying I'm no people leave Islam every day. So for, for this, this one man to leave, and that breaks Muslim, th that quote-unquote breaks Muslim TikTok is the most foolish thing I've, ev I've ever heard. And it only proves that you do fetishize white reverts if his leaving Islam can affect you. And you can say, oh, Jamil, you have a hard heart. Do you not care for your brothers? I care for my brothers and I care for my sisters. But the fact of the matter is, if you're not going to have that same heartbreak every second of every day, because let's face it, you have people who leave Islam every second of every day. If you're not carrying that pain every second of every day, and it's only because this one man has done something, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Plain answer, you can miss me with that. I'm going to be honest, uh, before today, I've heard his name a few times, but I don't even know. It's like a name to a face. I don't have it. Like, it does how much it, it's not really affecting me because, like you said, every day it, with all religions, people lose, people gain faith. It's everywhere. It's life, honestly. And the same way, if someone's doing something haram, it doesn't affect me because that's their sins, right? Same thing with if it's somebody else, like, good for them if they're doing something good. But again, it doesn't affect me. I think borderline. Like, I think that's how a lot of people should start living on TikTok because uh, it became very toxic. Like, yeah, we have the mashallah, mashallah everywhere. But at the same time, you see one person doing something and the comment sections, I could spend days just reading every single person with no profile and no username that has to, that gives their two cents, acting like they know that what's best for that person. And I honestly think that if we live more like, in the sense where we focus on our own life and our own um, deen, then I think the world will probably be, you know, much more peaceful. Yeah, no, I find it so, it's so problematic. And with all due respect to that brother, like me, may Allah guide us all, but like, I just, I just feel a bit put off by that statement that the whole of TikToks, um, you know, hearts were broken. Like you know, Muslim TikToks, hearts were broken. Man, is I I don't think so. And the fact that you know, the, here's here's why. For example, a bri a, a, a black apostasy from Islam, a black person uh, apost apostating from Islam will never matter. It's because of the the what's it called? The the platforms are too small, right? So even if, for example, someone black reverts to Islam, then they leave Islam. You won't even notice. Like, do you see that? This is exactly what I'm trying to say, right? And I don't know. This is why I'm just telling people: really, just consult your subconscious psyche. There is something else that is going on there, right? It doesn't really make too much sense to me. And like, also another thing, I'll just say: like, um, with all due respect to you know people who are doing dawah and people who are sheikhs, like, I we appreciate like your work. It's obviously valuable to the community. Although sometimes you have to also just realize the fact that you're not necessarily a spokesperson 
for the Muslim community, let alone the Black Muslim community. Because I've I've had conversations with people, and I'll tell you a story. I'm just there in my comments, simple as. And um, this brother comes through. I've been talking about the racism in the Muslim community, all this different stuff. I'm talking about how it's affecting Muslims, mainly live in the West, but obviously people who are living in the Arab Peninsula. So now imagine you you make hijra, right? You because let's say you're like you know what I want to actually just go to a Muslim country and live there. You've made hijra, you've sacrificed, you've saved money for 15 years just to be called abid in uh, in an Arab country. Like imagine just imagine that dynamic, right? So for you to to claim that racism doesn't exist in the Muslim community. Right. And then not even, you know what I hate is like when people are just like, oh, you know, we're not saying that racism doesn't exist. It's just this isn't an instance of racism. The racism is right in front of your eyes. It says that you're not black and you will not see it immediately. And even when we're trying to tell you that this is racist, this is subconsciously biased. You're going to try and speak over us and say, actually, no, it's not. But I'm open to listening. Right. It, it, it's it, it's double standards. And then back to that com- that guy who was commenting in my in my videos. It's so ridiculous how the moment I start talking about black rights in the Muslim community, these are rights that have not been given by any president. No human being has given us these rights. It's God almighty, right? This is not something that should be debated. Racism is not Islamic. As Muslims, we have to be anti-racist, but it's, oh, I'm not racist, I'm not racist, you know? So why is this brother coming into my comment section? And the first thing he assumes from my video is like, oh, brother, you know, you should be seeking beneficial knowledge. I can tell that your dean is deficient because you're speaking too much on these topics. What? We've gone to the stages of assumption and then you come to me with your ilm. And like, you know, this is the worst thing. It's like, how dare you seek knowledge and have ilm? You can know all of the contents of all the thick books that have ever been written, right? But if you're going to come here and be arrogant and make assumptions about the way I practice my religion behind closed doors, because I said that black Muslims deserve to be treated like every other Muslim, then you're being anti-black and may Allah forgive you, right? The fact that that was the first thing that they talked about, oh, you know, your religion might be deficient. Who says you need to start seeking this knowledge? It's not beneficial. Like, who are you? Sorry, sir, but, but who are you? Who are you? I'm talking about certain situations. You're not even letting me talk. You're simply asserting your assumptions, right? It's ridiculous. And that's, that's the one attack that they all have, right? These non-Black Muslims in our comment section. Hidayah, you want to say something? Well, yeah, I don't know if you can see, but like I try to put my mute on and then I take it off though, but like, because I don't want to interrupt, but... Um, that is really funny. I have a similar story to that. So basically, like I was saying, um, my mom and her sisters came to America when they were about high school and they were praying in a masjid. Um, and there was a lady who was there to donate clothes. She was Arab. And while my, you know, her, my mom and her sisters were praying, they, this woman hands her a bag of clothes. My mom's like, okay, what do I do with this? Why is she giving it to me? Do I, does she think I work here maybe? No. She assumed that she was a revert who had, was in need of clothes. 
and she had given her the donations and she was like you know but in a way she's like you know I'm being nice about it you know like if you tell her she's being racist she's like what I'm giving her the clothes like she that's how they don't even see it and when my mom's telling me this story she's laughing but it at the time it enraged me because growing up I have um I've had all these stories as well and it's like I was at a point like afraid to like go to the masjid and interact with you know different people because of how I thought you know I would be treated and I feel like it all started when when I was younger um I used to go to Sunday school a lot right and they would always tell us these stories and it would like amp me up like I would be like yeah I'm gonna start doing this and this and one that week they had told the story to start saying like salam to like people and so um I was on my way and I was in elementary school at the time and I was on my way to my class and I had seen um one of my classmates who was out of their mom passed by and I said salam to her and I know she heard me and she looked at me she stopped she looked at me and then she kept going she didn't say anything back and then since then I everything I felt flustered I was embarrassed at the time because people around me were looking at me like what is this kid saying to this person's mom and ever since then for the, I remember the longest time I never said salam to somebody for the longest time like obviously if it's like a family gathering and you know salam you know that yeah but like anyone who had passed by even if someone said it to me you know I would say it quietly and like it's just traumatized me I don't know why so obviously I'm over it now but it's like these little experiences that they just slap it with the but the law was black come on y'all just chill sit down everything it's okay you know and then it just it just invalidates everything that you've been through and I'm sorry I'm talking a lot but the last thing I will have to wrap up with is I've had I had a close friend in high school who had um basically I you know shared some of my experiences and why I this is the way I worded it at the time I said that I'm afraid of interacting with other people because of the experiences that I've had obviously not with all and he himself was out of so he took such offense to what I had said he said what if I said I'm afraid of black people and I said but that's my reality my I've had to have while people are having puberty talk I had to have how to be black in America talk like how to when I started driving, how to drive while black talk, not to wear your hoodie even when it's raining talk. Like it's so many things that you know, within that one sentence he said he was so oblivious to like that's my life though. And like I, I'm not a black male in America, which is like a hundred times worse. Cause off the bat they assume that you're a threat. And this game my dad, like he has to go through that and I see what he has to go through and like people locking the doors when he walks by and like just little things like that and like I know it breaks your spirit I know it does because you can act strong and put a brave face but like at the end of the day you like ask yourself like why am I going through this you know yo that's yeah sorry go ahead Jamil no I want to say to Hadaya's point that when you talk about the whole growing up as black thing right every day as a child I remember hearing you have to work twice as hard to get half of what they have, right? And that's referring to white people in America. So I, as a black man, have to work twice as hard. When I got to high school, I had a teacher who was from Ecuador, and he told me that he tells his daughter that she has to work three times as hard because she's an ethnic minority, a woman, and an immigrant, right? So 
I, 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 I identified with that. And then to circle back to something Adnan said, right? Because this same Shake TikTok, TikTok Shake made it very clear that, you know, he's about the Dean and he only studies the Dean. If it's not about the Dean, he don't want, it, 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 it doesn't matter to him. And my thing is this, I teach, I'm gonna stop saying I teach Quran because I don't teach Quran but I teach Sunday school at the masjid and I teach the kids about the lives of the different prophets, right? And something that happens every now and again is somebody will be, you know, somebody will have family members that are visiting or they'll bring in a child who's from a country that's not America and the child speaks a different language, right? So I think recently before the pandemic, the last time that happened, it was a kid from Bangladesh, right? I don't speak Bengali, but I have students in the class that speak Bengali. And so I say, hey, if I tell you this, can you translate it to him and, and he'll understand? And the kid will say, I can try, I don't really know, but they do their best, right? Or for the most part, the kids kind of know their language and so they're able to explain it. And so I bring that example up because you can, I can know the life of the prophets, right? Especially, you know, Prophet Yusuf, peace be upon him. I know that story like the back of my hand, right? It means nothing though if I cannot explain that to the student. And I can't because the student doesn't speak English. And so the same way you can be about the Dean, if you don't know where the people you're talking to are coming from, you cannot speak to them where they're at to set them on where they need to go. And so I'm going to take a second to read a message, a DM that I got. Actually, let me preface this. When I made my TikTok account, it was the sole intention to watch TikToks, right? I found one guy who used to talk about Indo-Caribbean stuff as a descendant of Indo-Caribbeans. I was like, this is dope. However, I noticed that oftentimes Indo-Jamaicans are left out of the Indo-Caribbean story. So then I took myself and said, nobody's going to tell your story, but you. So my TikTok beca became dedicated as a way of telling the story of Muslim, Douglas from Jamaica, right? It encompassed the three things that I consider are my identity, right? And throw in blackness as well, because I'm a black man, right? And people get upset, oh, you all you talk about is your culture, all you talk about is your nationality, right? I have a DM on my phone, right? I have no idea who this, this brother is. He said, yo boss man, I'm a new revert and I'm actually West Indian too, right? I just wanted to reach out because I wanted to tell you that in the weeks leading up to my Shahada, my doubts about being a Black Caribbean Muslim were put to bed by your content, and I wanted to say thank you. If I had only, people would say, oh, you should be reciting Quran and doing Dawah. I could do that. Do you think that would have helped that, brother? People come and see a Jamaican Muslim. I have Jamaicans who follow me and Jamaica is a majority Christian country. You have some Jamaicans that don't like Muslims, but they sure as heck follow me and they love my content. You have the, the, the thing, and, and I'll say it again, you cannot speak to people if you don't know where they're coming from. Because if you don't know where they're coming from, you can't speak to where they're at. And so this whole concept that that black Muslims should be studying the Dean and we're not allowed to talk about, things don't exist in a vacuum, right? And any day Allah could take away Islam from us 
right? We can walk away from Islam, but you know what we can't walk away from? You know what we can't walk away from? And so when you ask black Muslims, are you black or are you Muslim? There's a two, there's a double-edged issue with that. When you say that to black reverts, who will, who, when you think of it logistically, have always been black, but have only recently entered the fold of Islam, don't make, don't give them that ultimatum because you may not like what they have to say. And if you ask a black Muslim, are you black or are you Muslim? And they come from a family that's been Muslim for generations, right? Why is it you never ask Arabs, are you Arab or are you Muslim, right? Why are you not asking Desi Muslims, are you, are you Indian or are you Muslim? Are you Pakistani or are you Muslim? There is a going, going around, there is a quote unquote black Muslim bingo card, right? Where you, mark, where, where you can mark off everything that's been said to you as a black Muslim. The, the, the free space, if you play bingo in the middle, there's a free space, says Bilal. Because we've all heard Bilal. But one of the other marks is, are you black or Muslim? Black Muslims are the only Muslims that are faced with, are you your race or are you a Muslim? That's, that's so unfortunate, man. It's like, it just, it's another way of gaslighting us into saying, oh, don't speak about the race, even like about race relations. Like, I'm so sorry, but if you're doing da'wah, that you don't understand, right? The communities that you're coming from. What, 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 are, you, what are you doing, right? There's a reason, for example, the way, uh, uh, there's a reason, for example, um, for messengers being sent uh, with a message that was styled in a different way, right? Allah is not going to send a stranger, for example, from a faraway city to give da'wah to like, you know, another random city. Unless, of course, like, um, obviously, it's usually from that ethnic group or that specific tribe or that town. Obviously, there are exceptions, I'm pretty sure, with the number of prophets uh, exceeding those that we know about, Allah knows best. But like the best way to speak to people is to understand them first. So when, when you're talking to the black community and it's in a, in a, in a very, um, how do I say this? It's in a very like, you know, there's, you can see the power dynamic. No, there is no such thing as racism in Islam. That's not racist. How did you make this about race? Like all these different questions, all you just show is that you're intolerant and you don't want to listen. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. And it's quite sad to see that when we speak about our issues, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Oh, stop talking about this. Don't bring race into the deen of Allah. It's like we live in societies where we're faced with race every single day. And even the way, for example, I know Jamil's told me many stories and maybe can, you can tell us one more about how certain masjids avoid the topic of race in general, right? Even though it's such a huge part of our lives subconsciously, I would argue that if you're doing da'wah, understand. If you're giving da'wah in the U.S. especially, right? And you know there's, for example, people who are black, all these different things, all these different nationalities, ethnicities. At least read some history. It's not haram for you to read another book, right? Seriously, read some history. And not just, oh, some whitewashed history of whatever, you know? For you to, to come and tell me that race doesn't impact 
who we are today or the societies that we we impact today you know like it it just doesn't make sense like literally you can trace profits and generational wealth we can even do it we can trace generational wealth all the way back and i think jamil has done it because of genealogy stuff right you can trace generational wealth and draw a straight line between the income of a slave trader 200 years ago being rich even in the uk so rich to the point like i think it was david and alexander bartley so rich to the point whereby the king and queen are coming to your house for tea every week we can draw a straight line from that income to people who are descendants of those people and on average are doing well off you know it's it's ridiculous right for you to, for you to come and explain to me and try and assume that you know better than me what book have you read on race relations what book have you read on sociology what book have you read that explains racial dynamics and no i'm not just talking about malcolm x books have you read franz fanon right have you read walter rodney have you read eric williams like all these major questions i would advise you obviously i'm not saying it's <clears throat> it's something that's wajib or like you know you need to do it to be a muslim right but if you know that it can improve the relationship between the black community and the non-black muslim community why wouldn't you do it like why are you avoiding it so much it's not like oh if you dedicate one hour or like let's say 30 minutes to watching a, a, a video on black history right or black muslim history there's a wonderful channel called elm feed right i think they've done a couple of those right taking 30 minutes out of your day to watch one video just to know a bit more about about the black community who make up a considerable amount of muslims on earth right isn't that useful so why why don't you do it that's my major question um to answer that i feel like i have reflected on that question a few times before and not just on this incident like many times i think it falls back onto human nature just like for example slavery if it doesn't impact you then you don't feel the need to change especially if it helps you for the better or in this case it just doesn't affect you at all so like i think um the way human nature works like for example i know we've all seen like on tiktok we're just scrolling and then we see something that's like wait you know we need donations for this and and the amount of times that i've seen it and some days like it will be such a sad story that i can't handle it i'll just i'll like it to go back to it but i'll swipe at the moment and i'll continue on my for you page cuz like if something doesn't affect you you look out for yourself first and things like that for example so when it comes to that people who are not black and do, who do not have to face these issues every day won't understand but also won't make the effort and that's just human nature and it's like we have to understand that luckily black people are the most vocal like BLM were out there and we're, we're we're making them we're forcing them because when you saw that in the summer like i didn't see a non black person speaking like if they were speaking eh, be quiet it's not your turn to talk you know so like then the summer like we're the most vocal which is another reason why a lot of people use us as a stepping stone to get their own point across because of how much work we all put t- together to get that out there and i think so far we've done a good job of 
you know, checking people on, especially on social media, uh, who have shown the ignorance. Like, for example, the girl who posted on the trend um, phases to get over, like what phases to get over, and then she put a black guys or something like that. Yeah, and where was that video? Video unavailable. I don't know why. It's gone. We we checked the whole, the whole account is gone. I saw I saw exactly. the response videos. I never even got to see the, the original video. I didn't even get to see it. That's how fast we are. Like I didn't even get to see the original. I had to come back, I had to ask people, tag me in <laughs> it was gone. It and was also gone, so. can I ask a question? Because I haven't been on TikTok mm. for a bit. You guys maybe have been using TikTok. Has any large Muslim creator made a video? On that like i mean one with a substantial platform. no 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 i'll tell you i'll tell you i can tell you all right first and foremost no and i can tell you this because and let we work let's let this serve as the segue into talking about the tree beefs when the rihanna issue happened right and i don't even it's not even the rihanna issue when the fenty x runway issue happened right where an islamic hadith was used in a lingerie fashion show i want several things to be understood while Fenty, Fenty might be owned by Rihanna, the song was not created by Rihanna, right? That being said, people are saying Rihanna should have known. Rihanna is not a Muslim. Rihanna does not speak Arabic. So for Rihanna to sit there and listen to a song and recognize an Islamic Hadith in Arabic, it, to, to think that she would have the, the knowledge to, to, to be able to decipher that, you're being disingenuous. That's one. Two, now you're upset that this Islamic Hadith is used in a fashion show and you're well entitled to being upset. However, to, re to retaliate by attacking black people as a whole, if you attacked Rihanna, you're wrong, but at least you're attacking one singular person, but to hold the entire race accountable and say things like, oh, you know, one non-black, one non-Muslim black person said, you all are upset about a song. And to use that to start saying, you're mad about knees in your necks. You're mad about catching bullets. You're mad because you were put on slave ships to America. You're mad because of braids. Now, let me tell you something. I saw a sister, a hijabi sister say, these are the same people that claim to be oppressed. So I said, who do you mean is claiming to be oppressed? And she said, those who claim to be oppressed and oppress others. I said, well, that's everybody. Because everybody claims to quote unquote, be oppressed while oppressing others. I saw a brother say that, oh, these are the same people mad that they were put on ships and uh, on slave ships and sent to America. I said, well, bro, uh, my ancestors weren't sent to America, but they were on slave ships that went to the Caribbean. What's your point, right? When you take these generalized statements, right? Out, these, there is a, there, and uh, I've said it before, there's a divorcing of blackness and Islam. And so these bigger creators, because I called it out, right? There's a whole Buzzfeed article where, I, where, where they interviewed me and I spoke on it in my video, right? If you look in the comment section, somebody went through and tagged some of the big Arab and Desi TikTokers in an effort to bring their attention to it. And they did not say a word. One of these creators was tagged multiple times. And each time he was tagged, I told the person, I said, yo, you're the third, you're the fourth, you're the 10th person to tag him. This same brother goes on to say, we don't fetishize white reverts. Where is the fetishization of white reverts? Well, obviously, wherever the fetishization of white reverts is, it's the same place you refuse to look when people are asking you to call out the anti-blackness in the Muslim community. 
if you can't open your mouth to say to condemn people who are attacking black because I, I i i don't i don't, i think people love to live in this world where they see muslims as as a race and so black Muslims are the exception. So people will say, oh, when I say black people, I don't mean black Muslims. You don't get to make that differentiation. Because at the end of the day, we're both. Whether you like it or not, we're both. And we exist in both of those worlds. You may not like, you may not like it because for you, that's a hard pill to swallow because you want to be able to insult non-Muslim black people. But when you, when you make a statement about slavery, that insults African-American African Muslims, who are the first Muslims in America, who through their work allowed the immigration of other Muslims to come to America. You insult Afro-Latine Muslims, right? Who are part of the largest demographic of growing Muslims, right? Who, if you look at Spain was once Andalusia, which was once a Muslim empire. You insult the Afro-Caribbean Muslims whose rich legacy of Islam exists within the names and the fact that many of our heroes, our national heroes were Muslim, right? So when you, when you say things like we're catching, but we're, 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 we catch bullets, right? Or, or, or you reference something about police brutality, not only affects the Muslims living in the United States, but those in Nigeria who are dealing with SARS, right? And then when the Rihanna thing ended, right? Like not even ended. When the Fenty X runway situation was kind of dying out and we were talking about NSARS, I looked it up. I said, how many, how many Muslims are, are in Nigeria? And the statistics is like, I think it's like 51 point something percent Muslims in Nigeria, which would make Nigeria a Muslim majority country. And I made a tweet saying, Muslim TikTok, are you still mad at Rihanna or are you going to talk about SARS? And people came up with all these excuses as to why they would not talk about Nigeria, right? When you have you have a famous Black Muslim brother saying, hey, talk, and I'm not talking about me when I say famous Black Muslim brother, right? But you have a brother saying that the Muslim community needs to look at Nigeria. It needs to look at Mali and Senegal and the Gambia, right? And an Arab brother's response is to name Yemen. That shows you the disconnect because Yemen isn't anywhere close to Africa, right? And so there, this whole concept, right? And that's just one, right? That's the Fenty X runway. Then we can talk about, you know, the tall Mo and the girl with the braid situation. Oh, I have a question real quick. When he mentioned Yemen, was he trying to compare or what is he doing? What was so his, his point of naming Yemen was, and he explained it to me, he said, oh, the brother was naming African countries. I named Yemen because, you know, Yemeni people are, darker skin and 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 so his real his his idea was the fact that because the people of yemen have darker skin they would somehow fit into addressing the plights of muslims on the african continent to which i explained to him no you're wrong you it's one thing to be loud it's one thing to be wrong it's another thing to be loud and wrong right but you also have the talmo situation where he made an anti-black statement against a girl with braids and non-black Muslims bent over backwards to excuse it. And I think about this all the time. If a non-black Muslim, especially an Arab, were to say something crazy and I got up and called him a terrorist, I would be canceled because I'm quote unquote an Islamophobe. 
right? And you'd have people saying, but he's a Muslim, so he can't be Islamophobic if he's Muslim, right? And, and I, th I literally think about it. I'm like, one of these days, I'm going to call an Arab who says something out of pocket a terrorist. And I want, to sh I want you all to see, right, the, the difference in treatment, right? People will bend over backwards to say that I am wrong. Right? Oh, how could you call him a, a terrorist? And then they'll say, what if he called you the N-word? Because that's the go-to, right? Somebody attacks the Islamic religion and non-Black Muslims are quick to say, oh, let's look at it from a racial aspect, right? Lupe Fiasco was in a clubhouse room where he said that he's friends with an IDF soldier. Palestinian Muslims left that room and created a new room titled, Can You Be Friends with a Racist? where they continue to gaslight Black Muslims on their stance. The room should not have been entitled, can you be friends with a racist? It should have been entitled, can you be friends with your oppressor? But no, anytime it comes to Black Muslims, it has to be something, quote unquote, of a racial equivalency. And then you continue to gaslight us. And so, you know, I, I have so much love for Adnan because Adnan comes to you and he says, bro, I love you for the sake of Allah, and we're going to talk it out. You may not like how I say it because it sounds like I'm coming at you real rough. And that's just because I have neither the time nor the patience for it. Because it's been, it's, the Fentyx runway thing happened in October of last year. The Talmo thing happened in what, like not even two or three months after that. Now we're dealing with the whole white revert fetishization in 2021. I don't have the time for it. Can we talk about how problematic Talmo is, though? Not just with the the um, woman with the braids, but like on several occasions. And then what he had said his video was at least the women who wear the scarf have hair. I don't know if you remember what he had said, but no, I I remember. I had a, a very nice back and forth with him where, he, and this is another thing, right? As a black Muslim. When I call, when when we call out the anti-blackness or the racism, our Islam is automatically questioned, because his response to me, his response to me after I called him out was, he's going to take down his video, and if I am a true Muslim like I say I am, I will take down mine. To which I told him that my Islam has been questioned by people that look and think like him for years now. So whether or not, even when I called out, you know, one of the one of the quote unquote great shakes of TikTok, right, for his ignorance when it comes to black issues, people said, oh, if you were a true Muslim, you wouldn't have done this. If you were a true Muslim, you that this this is the stuff that black Muslims are told. If we were true Muslims, we wouldn't be calling them out. If we were oh, you claim to be Muslim. I have people telling, I had somebody make takfir on me, where they said that I was not a Muslim because I called out racial inequality within the ummah. This is, this is what happens when black Muslims call out these things. Adnan and I get it all the time. You're not really a Muslim. Oh, you're one of those, you're, you're a clout chaser. Your dean is weak. Your dean is weak. These are the things we're told. Yeah, that's gaslighting at its finest. Somebody told me have... that, somebody told me that I am not the superhero for black Muslims. Meanwhile, in my comments and in my DMs, I have black Muslims telling me, thank you. Actually, Adnan, can I have your permission to read some of these messages? 
I think because of time, we can uh, maybe just read one. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention how I'm, many they are. Okay, there's I have like maybe four or five on my phone, right? But the the one that I I love the most, right, comes from this one. Hey, it's a sister that DM'd me, right? Hey, I see that you are always talking about the racial issues in the Muslim community, and I wanted to ask you if you could talk about this thing since I don't have a big platform. I don't understand how when Black Lives Matter started to be more popular, a lot of Muslims got mad at it. Made me so disappointed that people in our community got mad at the fact that Black people were talking about their issues. They used the excuse that no one talked about the issues in Muslim countries like Yemen, Palestine, so they shouldn't either. The funniest thing is that they didn't start to talk about these issues until Black Lives Matter got popular. And it's a fact that Black Lives Matter helped a lot of communities to start to speak on their own issues and to raise awareness about their problems. And you see this with the MLM movement, or I'd say quote unquote movement, you know, where they say Muslim lives matter, but they're not talking about the Diol family who recently, the, 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 the teenagers who set their house on fire, the Diol family was, three adults and two babies. The oldest was 29, the father was 29. It was him, his wife and his sister, his sister's baby and his baby that were killed in a house fire last year in August. Did you see anybody with MLM in their bio talking about this? Nope. The, the three teenagers that set that house on fire were recently arrested. Did you see anybody with MLM in their bio talking about it? When Hazra Shia Muslims were killed in Pakistan, did you see anybody with MLM in their bio talking about it? No. So, and, I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. Are you that upset with BLM? Black Lives Matter. Is Black Lives Matter such a hard thing for you to say? Is your anti-Blackness that deeply ingrained in you that you convinced yourself that Muslim lives matter, but you're not even speaking on Muslim lives? It's wow, so... that was pretty deep. Yeah, go on. Sorry, Hidayah. Like, no, it's okay. Um, that was pretty deep, what you had said. Like, basically, that summarized everything that I said. Like, Black Lives Matter, it didn't just start now. It goes way back 2013. But, like, it got popularized on TikTok because of how vocal everybody was. And everyone used that as a stepping stool to kind of vocal, like, their own agenda like they kind of switch the agenda to themselves and it's not just with MLM you also see the Hispanic lives matter with the whole uh, vendor with the couple of African-American um, men who had harassed the vendor and then everyone says but black lives matter right question mark like they do that everywhere trying to gaslight us and the thing is the way it's supposed to work is you voice your own problems your own community problems and then everyone else will follow as an echo as support and that's how it's supposed to work instead of comparing and then bringing down one another that's not how it's supposed to work at all and especially for something like muslim life matters there's black muslims so comparing and bringing something one down does not make sense when we all of us three we're both so that doesn't make sense so so all right Adnan. Yeah, I'm, so, uh, I'm just going to finish off with this and then we're going to have to close off. But this is uh, a message to the big da'wah people, people with big platforms, Muslims with big platforms who profess with their tongue that Black Lives Matter, Black Muslims 
uh, cared for, we want to take care of Black Muslims, like the, the brothers and sisters of ours. If you're able to profess that with your tongue, put your hands to work and start making videos when we call out racism. Because even last time I've checked and I've just scrolled through a couple of accounts, that's what I was doing when Jamil was talking about who didn't talk about that issue with the Fenty. It's happened three times. I want to ask a question to you guys because I may have not seen anything. Have you seen any big Muslim creator that's not black address what happened with the Fenty situation or address something that happened with the whole braid situation? Did you see that happening? One non-black Muslim sister addressed the braid situation and it was her apologizing for the part she played in instigating it. So it wasn't even her addressing it. It was her apologizing for the fact she instigated it. And I haven't heard anything with regards to the, the Fenty thing. And get this, when that whole Fenty thing was happening, I did see another non-Black Muslim creator address it. But they addressed it by saying, we need to unite the Ummah. And so this comes to the, this is the question. To all these big da'wah creators, to all the big non-black Muslims on the app, if you're able to say, right, that you're not racist, why is it difficult for you to call out racism? Right? It's a simple thing. You're able to make videos on this and that. Why not talk about those issues that are so prevalent on TikTok? Why don't you want to do that? Even after you've been instructed to do so, You've been told to address it publicly. And then even you have some of some of you have the audacity to ask, oh, is what I've done enough? This is literally a, a lifelong fight, right? And if you really want the Muslim community to heal, you really want the Ummah to be united, yet you're always gaslighting, yet you're always questioning Black Muslims' faith when they bring up the issues in the community, when you're always redirecting the issue to other Muslim groups that are being marginalized, do you really expect the Ummah to be united? Like, how does that logically add up? It's, it's a leap in your logic. And you need to really look at it from a subconscious perspective because it's quite sad. And I'll say, you have been henceforth warned, right? And I'm making observations because this is not the first time it's happened. Me and Jamil have been keeping score. It's the third time there's been a major issue in regards to racism and whether black Muslims have talked about it. That video uh, that was posted by another sister who doesn't really show her face, she just posted the green screen and some text on it and spoke behind it. I think it has like 33,000 views. I consider that considerable like impact. That's basically a lot of impact, right? Now it's happened three times. I am watching for the next one because I know there will be a next one. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Allah knows best, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be another issue in regards to racism in the Muslim community. I am watching the big creators. What you choose to do with your platform will tell me so much about your character and if your words are truly sweet nothings. Let's get into closing statements from everyone else and um, then we'll have to close off the podcast. Uh, I would like to start. Um, so a lot of the issues that we spoke about right now, I think the best way to end it for anyone who's listening, I have struggled with all of these events that had happened, but what helps me is just constantly remind yourself that the religion and the people who practice it, two different things. Like the religion itself is peaceful 
and we have to tell that to everybody who tries to um, say that this is happening and this is happening, but the religion itself is good, you know, and all these events that had happened that, um, like, that affected me negatively, I don't associate it with the religion at all, hence why I still practice, I still have, like, a lot of, like, faith, but, you know, I just, like, pray for these people, because they're lost, so that's how it ended. What I have to say, I have two closing points. One is for specifically the Black Muslims. You are seen, you are heard, and your experiences and you as a person are valid. And so if you don't hear that from anybody else, you're going to hear it from your brother, Jamil. That's one. Two, for the non-Black Muslims, it is not enough just to say you are racist, you are not racist. It is not enough for you to say that you are not racist. You need to be actively fighting against racism. The Quran says that as Muslims, we're instructed to stand up against injustice, whether it be perpetrated even by our own parents. So that being said, call it out when you see it. That's one. Two, for those of the big TikTok shakes, and others of you who are posting on TikTok, you're being watched. And I have no issue taking you to task and holding you accountable for what you say. I have nothing else to do. The pandemic, pandemic's been a very long, boring experience. So I have nothing better to do than to call you out when you misstep and take it nothing more as correction from a correction from a loving brother. Yeah, facts, guys. I'm going to say one last thing before, before I finish. It's the issue's gotten so bad. And for those who say, stop bringing it up, you know, I get angry for one main reason. I'm trying not to get angry. But you telling me, oh, you should, brother, stop talking about it. Stop trying to solve the issue. No, no, brother, don't, don't, don't bring this race issue into Islam. You're obsessed with race. You know, you're Dean, you have a problem. No. I saw this comment and wallahi, I got scared and I got, it actually hit me really hard, right? There was someone in my comments and guys, keep in mind, us as Muslims, we believe that obviously in this life, if the message of Islam has come to you, rejected, obviously there's the hellfire. That's infinity, right? That's what we're talking about time here. We're talking about saving souls, right? This comment, someone said, and I hope I can find it. And I'll post it on my, uh, my Instagram, or at least I'm going to post it on my TikTok at least. Someone that's not a Muslim, but is black, is like, oh, well, I guess I better not um, become Muslim if that's how they treat us over there. Or I guess, I mean, if, well, if they're treating black Muslims like that, what's the point of becoming Muslim? I had to write another comment explaining, no, don't worry about it. Why should the people or the deviants of a religion somehow just show you uh the nature of the religion itself no it's like saying oh islam yeah i just want to say what you said has happened with me too you know i had a video where i said i did like a fingers down challenge of microaggressions black muslims face i took that video down not because non-black muslims told me to but because black people who weren't muslim were were comp their comments show that 
they were perceiving Islam in a negative light. And that's why I took it. I could care less if Arab or Desi people were upset with what I had to say. But now when I had black people who possibly could have been coming to Islam, being deterred by the experiences of other black Muslims, that's why I took it down. Facts. And I just want to explain something. You're giving all of these Afrocentrics fuel. There's literal Afrocentric pages that are blocked because of the disgusting things that they've said about our religion. And they're claiming that, oh, Islam promotes slavery and it enslaved the black people. They don't care about you. Guys, you're giving them free fuel. So let me just tell you one thing. People who have seen this stuff, imagine if there's a, when you're making those videos, when you're omitting to talk about these issues, when, you, when we take you to task about them and then you don't listen, I want you to remember all the black, black people, right, who are in Muslim, right? You, you keep in mind you're giving da'wah, right? Calling people to Islam. Keep in mind that there are black, Muslim, black people that come across your videos. They might want to become Muslim, but because of the fact that you're omitting to say these things, your one extra decision that's preventing them from converting to Islam. And obviously, I'm not saying you're responsible for them rejecting Islam, right? But you played a role and you will be questioned for playing that role, right? And this is, this are, these are the fruits of, your, the, 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 of the seeds that you've sown, right? So when you think that you're trying to bury all this out, all, all this out, right? All, trying to bury all of these issues, all you're burying is seeds of contempt and disunity in the Ummah. And what are you going to get? Disgusting fruits. That's exactly what's going to happen. But anyways, guys, we've gone over time. We could talk about this forever. Uh, may Allah bless you all, whoever's listening, and uh, may Allah guide us all. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for your time. Thank you to Hadaya. Thank you to Jamil, guys. Go ahead. Uh, subscribe to Douglas Chat on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify, all these different platforms. Go and follow Jamil on TikTok and on Clubhouse. It's uh, just Douglaboy at Douglaboy. But yeah, thank you guys so much again, and we will see you in the next episode.